So on tonight, on tonight, on tonight, I want to, y'all going to tell me thank you in advance because uh, we're going to be in and out. Glory. All right? We're going to be in and out. Listen, I ain't going to hold you. Um, I'm not. But what I do want to do is I do want to say thus what thus saith the Lord. I want to give you the word of God and really dive into his word and really uh, say what the Lord says. So um, on Sunday, on Sunday, on Sunday, you guys learned about the enemies of discipleship. We're still in this uh, series of discipleship. We're still in this series of discipleship. And on Sunday, Pastor went over the enemies of discipleship now because the glory took over. Uh, he couldn't really finish. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and close it out when it comes to the enemies of discipleship, the enemies of discipleship. Now, when it comes to the enemies of discipleship, the first thing uh, that you guys talked about was the world, right? Uh, the first enemy of discipleship is the world. It is that evil system um, that even Jesus warned us about. If you can, turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, verse number 18 and 19. And I'm not going to go through all of the points. I'm just going to touch basis on some of the things that Pastor had talked about on, um, on Sunday. So John chapter 15, verse number 18 through 19. John chapter 15, verse number 18 through 19. And it says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Now, he says as one of the marks that you are disciple it, one of the marks that you're a disciple is that the world will hate you. Um, because a lot of times when it comes to being a disciple of Christ, um, we want to make sure that we are pleasing God. But we try to make sure that we are pleasing to the world at the same time. And, and Jesus is saying in order for you to be a disciple, listen, the world is going to hate you. They're not going to like you. And a lot of times we spend so much time focusing on trying to fit in that we don't realize that we were meant to be set apart. We were meant to be different. The world is going to hate you, especially the minute you profess that you are a believer, get ready for enemies. And Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, got a number of different reactions. Remember, he was the same one that Hosanna, Hosanna. And then after that, a week later, they talking about some crucify him. Be careful that you don't get so comfortable around people that's going to try to crucify you just a, simply a week later. Because the fact that you are a believer, the world will hate you. You will be an enemy to the world. See, you can love him and follow him. You can hate him and reject him. But one thing you can never do is you can never ignore Jesus. Amen. So when Jesus showed up, it required a response. And because you can't ignore Jesus, right? You, you, can't, you can't ignore Jesus. And Jesus lives on the inside of us. Is that whenever we're in the world, you're going to rub people the wrong way. Because you can't ignore Jesus. Greater is he that is within. Hold on. Do I have any Bible readings on tonight? Greater is he that is within than he that is within. Which means that Jesus dwells in you. There's going to be a light that's going to shine outside of you. So listen, people are not going to be able to ignore that. But one thing I also want to lift up when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus and how the enemy, uh, how one of the enemies of discipleship is the world is I, I looked at Popeye's, right, and how that chicken sandwich is um, is uh, running rampant. Can I can I be me on tonight? Can I be me on tonight? 
I'm going to just be me. I'm going to do me, right? So um, it talked about the, the Popeye's gross went from $2.3 million, billion dollars, to after the chicken sandwich, um, now it's grossing about $3.7 billion as a company, right? Um, ain't that crazy? And who buying, who buying all them chicken sandwiches? Um, and what's so and what's so funny about the, what's so funny about that chicken sandwich is that it spread so quickly, right? Um, it spread all over social media to the point to where it's like you you saw Popeyes and the first thing that came to your mind was chicken sandwich. You forgot about the two piece dinner with the dirty rice and the fries and the because of the fact that the world is now portraying something that looks so tantalizing, right? Stay with me. I'm going to try to prove a case, right? And even after eating that chicken sandwich, most people don't even realize this, but what's one thing that you got to do after eating a a, a nice, hearty chicken sandwich? You got to take a drink. You got to take a drink, right? Stay with me. Because sometimes you could be eating something that is parching you to where you have no choice but to take a drink. But my question is, what are you drinking from? What is it exactly that you're drinking from, right? Because let's be honest, that, that chicken sandwich, it looks quite delicious. Now, I've never had it. I've, I've not had it yet. But what other thing are we eating that's causing us to be a little bit thirsty? What is it that we're eating that's causing us to be a little bit thirsty, right? Because when you consume something of that quality, you have no choice but to go get a drink. All right, I'm going to keep going. Now, there are some times in your life that you become what we call overwhelmed, right? You become overwhelmed. Uh, You get stressed by the stresses of life. And uh, sometimes when we get stressed by the stresses of life, as normal, if we have friends, what do we do? We call them. We tell our friends, hey, man, this is what I'm going through. This is what the situation that I'm experiencing. And uh, if you got you know, good friends like me, you know, sometimes they want to get your mind off of what you're going through, right? Sometimes. Um, and not you, but your neighbor, you know, and sometimes they want you to go partake in some, um, as Pop Williams would say, yeah, boy, you know? Um, it's the reality. Sometimes your friends, they want, they, that's what they want. They want, because they want you to take your mind off of what you're going through, right? And then even after, Stay with me. Now, even after that, right, let's just say you have a night of uh, having fun with your friends and stuff. And you don't notice that after a night of that, you just become very extremely thirsty. You don't notice that? That the first thing you want to do is just guzzle a bottle of water, right? So, hold on. Y'all going to act like I ain't talking to y'all. My people who went to college. My people who from straight from Duval, you know, after a night of fun, I'm trying to keep it PG. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you are very thirsty. Because when you drink a lot of alcohol, it makes you thirsty. <laughs> Dang, do I? Oh, my goodness, man. Don't, y'all, don't play with me tonight. Y'all want to act like y'all so saved. Don't, don't play. Cookouts, Christmas, thank, listen, don't play. Listen. But the reality is that you become extremely thirsty. And what happens is when you become extremely thirsty is that you start to drink or try to find something to satisfy that quench. And the reason why the world is an enemy 
to your discipleship is because the enemy, not, not the enemy, the world will always try to get you to satisfy your quench with itself rather than the well that never runs dry. Now, who is that well that never runs dry? See, the world is an enemy to your discipleship because the, the world will never point you back towards Jesus. It would either point it back to itself or yourself. So that's why the world is an enemy to your discipleship. So you guys learned about that. So that's the first point you guys learned about, which was the world, right? The world is an enemy to your discipleship. The second thing you learned about that's an enemy to your discipleship is your flesh. Ooh, Jesus, that flesh. This flesh, this flesh has a lot of evil desires. And the reality is all of us struggle. If you struggle, raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, get out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Everybody in here struggles. Everybody in here got an issue. Everybody in here got a problem. There is no person in here that does not have a struggle. Your struggle don't look like their struggle. Their struggle don't look like your struggle. But everybody in here has a struggle, right? And as long as you're breathing in and out, you battle with this thing called flesh daily. Because the flesh desires what is opposing to what God desires. It is what we want and what God wants that is in conflict. The flesh will always desire what is outside of the will of God for your life. Always. The flesh will always, even Paul says, the good I want to do, I don't do. But the wrong I shouldn't be doing, that's what I want to do all the time. That's what Paul says, right? But what's so significant about our flesh and of how our flesh can be such an enemy to discipleship is the fact of, I look at the woman the Samaritan woman, right? And if you can, uh, turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. And if you give me a chance, I want to I wanna really dive in a little bit into this part right here when it comes to our flesh. And I'm, I'm going to read it, and I want you to kind of stay with me. I want you to stay with me with this. John chapter 4. All right, it says... Now, Jesus, and I'm, I'm beginning at verse number one. It says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but it was his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Now, let me stop right there. Now, what's so significant about that is usually... They would not go through that area. There was really no reason for him to go through that area. Um, now, verse number five says, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Uh, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. You know, what's, you know what's, what I found in this that, that I love, that I love, is the fact that Jesus will come find you where you're at. He had no reason, no business to go to Samaria, right? How many times we find ourselves in places and then Jesus got to come get us? I mean, you ever been like, I mean, on the way? I mean, on the way, and all of a sudden it's a good gospel song that just, just rip you inside out. And you're like, you know what, let me turn this car around. Let me go right back to the house. Or there's time where you're at your job and you're getting ready to say something that you know you shouldn't say. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit be like, hmm, shut it. 
you know? Or times where, well, I can't really go there. I don't know y'all like that yet. I don't know y'all like that yet. But what I'm saying is there's times that Jesus will actually go find you right where you're at. So this is where Jesus goes to um, the well, right? And I'm still, I'm still in talking about enemies of discipleship, and we're still talking about how the flesh can be an enemy of discipleship and how Jesus goes and sees the Samaritan woman, and Jesus says to her, will you give me a drink? Now, at this time, he was by himself, right? So the Samaritan woman goes, and it says it was around noon. Why is that significant? Two things. Um, two reasons why. One, the woman wouldn't go draw the uh, water at that um, during those times. And two, that was the wrong time to go draw water because they would draw water early in the morning or even late at night, which means that you was going there at a time that wasn't unauthorized because you didn't want to be seen, right? You didn't want to be seen. So you were going to a place to get a drink of something that you ain't want nobody else to see you getting a drink of. Say that again. You were going to go get a drink of something that you did not want anybody else to see you go take a drink of. What am I saying? You don't want nobody to see you drinking out of that relationship. So that's why you hide it. You don't want nobody to see you how you really are. So you put something on social media because you put you 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 get in a drink, but then behind closed doors you are something completely different. And sometimes when we find those moments in our lives where Jesus has to challenge us, He will find you right where you're at and say, "You know what? You need to fix this," because you are about to take a drink of something that's not going to satisfy you. But Jesus says that I am the well that never runs dry, and I need you to take a drink of me because if you take a drink of me, I will satisfy you. But if you keep drinking this. You're always going to find yourself running back. You'll find yourself trying to run back to that relationship. You'll try to find yourself running back to that career. You'll try to find yourself running back to that dollar. Or you'll try to find yourself running back to that dysfunction. And Jesus says that, no, I need you to take a drink of me because your flesh is out of control. Your flesh is out of control. It's getting quiet. Does that mean I'm talking good? Is that what that means? Okay. So Jesus meets this Samaritan woman, and he says, hey, uh, I need a drink, right? And then, <laughs> and here's what's so funny. The lady says, you shouldn't even be asking me for a drink, right? How many times that God is trying to speak to us and trying to point us in a direction that we got to rebuttal? As if we know what's best for our own lives. I mean, he is the manufacturer. The Bible says that he knows the end before the beginning, so clearly, if Jesus is speaking, that is a time that we need to what? Listen, right? And a lot of times when it comes to being disciples of Christ, the reason why we can never get to the place of true obedience to God is because we always got a response. We always got a reason why we can't serve, why we can't sacrifice, why we can't do what it is that God is calling us to do. Why? Because of the fact that our flesh is in control. But if you allow yourself to just take a drink of Jesus just one time. I mean, take a good go. You'll find something that'll satisfy you that nothing in this world could ever satisfy you. You ever been, you ever been in a place in your life to where you fully submit to God and you really get into God's presence and whatever was on you just all of a sudden just drops off of you? 
You ever gotten to a place to where you really, really submitted to God and all of a sudden, whatever turmoil, whatever situation, whatever problem you got going on, all of a sudden you had a peace that was, you couldn't even explain it or where you could have all hell breaking out, breaking loose in your life and all of a sudden you got a joy unspeakable. Like you walking around, you smiling, you can't even explain why you smiling. People trying to figure out, why is it that you got a smile on your face? I just took a drink of Jesus. Why is it that you can have a peace with everything that you got going on? I just took a drink of Jesus. Why is it that even though you have that, that crazy family situation going on and you don't know how to fix it, but yet you still walking around with your, held, held, your head held high because I took a drink of Jesus. And when you take a drink of Jesus, let me tell you, there's no thing that is more satisfying and more filling than when you really take a drink of Jesus, right? So this woman, right, this woman, she, the Bible says that she had many husbands and the one that was, that she had wasn't even her husband. But the great thing that I love about Jesus is that even in our disobedience, he still shows mercy. That even in our disobedience, he still shows grace. That even though she was in a position to where she just was like, just not in the will of God, Jesus gave a second chance. So saints, I will tell you this, right? Right where you're at, the Lord gave you a second chance. Don't stay in what you're in. Take the opportunity to be, truly become a disciple of Christ. Take that opportunity, right? And another part, another part where, where I see where even Jesus gave this answer. So there's many cups that we can drink from, right? Uh, when Jesus was in the garden, right, the garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says that he was so stressed that he began to sweat blood, right? And then he said, if this cup can pass me, which means that at that moment, there was a moment of weakness. In your walk, in your discipleship walk, you will get weak. You will get weak. There are going to be times where you're going to say, man, I don't want to do this. I, Lord, mm, nope. You want me to teach what? Lord, I ain't even got it together. Why are you asking me to teach? I don't even have it all the way together. You want me to go bless who? I ain't even got it like that. But you want me to go bless them? Come on, Lord. You want me to go give them a hug? Come on, now you know they've been talking about me, Lord. I ain't, I'm not all the way saved yet. I'm not all the way there. There are going to be times in your walk where you're going to have moments of weakness. But Jesus said something that was so profound in that moment. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. That has to be a daily practice that sometimes you get to a place to where you want to do your own thing, but you got to tell yourself, not my will, but thy will be done. I need you all to practice. Say, not my will, but thy will be done. And Jesus took the moment to say, you know what? I'm not going to do what I'm feeling right now. Because if I operate under emotion, I know my emotions is nothing but a temporary feeling. But I need to make sure that I stay consistent to something that's going to be permanent and long-lasting. Stop making permanent decisions on temporary feelings. Sometimes we just need to learn how to shut that mouth. Sometimes we need to learn how to just walk away. Sometimes we need to learn how to keep that debit card in the house. Come on, y'all ain't hear me tonight. Because sometimes you're going to get a moment of weakness to where you're going to do something that is nothing but a temporary feeling, but that can have a long-lasting effect. Come on, parents. Just kidding. <laughs> and that's the thing. 
So here's another thing. Here's another, here's another example of Jesus, right? So then Jesus gets on the cross, right? We're, listen, we are still talking about this flesh, right? And how the flesh is an enemy of discipleship. We're still talking about the flesh. Now, Jesus gets on the cross, right? Hands are nailed, feet nailed. And all of a sudden, they give him what they call sour wine, hyssop, right? They pour it up to him, and he didn't, rejects it, right? He rejects it, no. Now, during those times, that was like a cheap wine. It was like extremely cheap, cheap wine. That's what like some of the executioners would drink during the time of execution and things like that, a very cheap wine. And what it represented is it represented temporary alleviation, right? It represented something that was temporary, that was gonna give you a temporary fix, right? During the time of suffering, during the time of pain. Question, what is it temporarily that you're drinking on right now that you're trying to alleviate pain and God is trying to, try, is trying to get you to die in? Because the Bible says that you need to bear your cross, what? Daily. There are certain things that God is trying to kill and you still trying to keep alive. There are certain things that God is literally trying to kill in you and you trying to keep it alive. So every time they pass that hyssop, there you go, taking that drink. Every time they pass that hyssop, that cheap wine, you know that cheap wine that give you a headache? I don't know, I just heard it. There you go, taking a drink. And God is saying, sometimes you're going to have to learn how to leave those temporary things alone in order for me to birth something out of you. But first, before I can birth something out of you, something is, something's got to die. You all want to know what that temporary drink is? Do y'all really want to know what that temporary drink is? Sometimes it's our relationships. Sometimes it's our education. Because the Bible says, lean not unto thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Sometimes it's our money. Because anytime you got a couple of dollars in the bank, oh, you think you're big and bad. And sometimes God is saying, your money means nothing to me. When are you going to start speaking scripture? When are you going to start speaking word? When are you going to start speaking what thus saith the Lord? You know? And I've, and I've seen it. I've seen people that the first thing out of their mouth, well, I went to this. Well, I, but when are you going to say I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb? Because we're so quick to represent the things that we're in control of, not realizing that God is saying, I'm trying to kill something inside of you so you can solely and fully depend on me. And where God has to fully strip you of what you're used to and what you're comfortable with in order to get you to a place to where you can fully be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So the first enemy of discipleship is what? The second enemy of discipleship is what? Woo! And then the third one, right? The third enemy of discipleship is the good old devil. And we're going to park here for a minute. Now, remember, I said, I ain't going to keep you here long now. So you thank me. You can still catch your uh, two for 20 at Applebee's or Chili's or wherever you're going to go after this. But, um. Or home for those who have comfortable houses to go to. Um, the devil. So the devil is an evil person, a distractor. And there are things that we are told about the devil. And 2 Corinthians kind of spells that out. So turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 
and we are going to go to verse number three. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number three. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number three. It says, but I am afraid that as the certain serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. I'm going to read that again. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Turn to, turn to, um, go down to verse number 14. Go down to verse number 14. And it's going to all make sense. Go down to verse number 14. Same chapter, chapter 11. Just go down to verse number 14. And it says, no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So in other words, um, if you are looking for someone with horns, a pitchfork, you are already deceived. You are already deceived. Another enemy of your discipleship is the devil. And the Bible says that he come as the angel of light, which means he's what? Beautiful. He's beautiful. And, you know, and what's, and what's so uh, funny about that is um, the enemy knows you. He knows you, too. He knows exactly what you like. And, you know, and if, and if I put it in a sense of relationship, right, I'm going to put it in a sense of relationship because that's the easiest example that we can use because we can relate to it because we live in relationships every day. So it's the best way that we can, I can kind of get it to relate is that everybody has a preference, right? Can we all be honest and say we have a preference? Everybody has a preference. And if... You know, if you didn't get your preference, then, hey, you know, God is still blessing. You know, God is still blessing. But we all have a preference. And the thing about our preference is sometimes we can get so blinded by what our preference is that we tend to negate our promise. And you got to be very, very careful because the enemy knows what to send your way to distract you from your promise. All right. And then it's like you'll, you'll find yourself like I remember like, you know, I'm in my mid-30s now so you know and back in dating in the 20s you know people say if you if you ain't six foot and and if you ain't driving and if you ain't then I don't and it wasn't until I got a little older that I realized that the more and more you really build that relationship with God that you'll say you know what whatever you bless me with I'll be satisfied whatever you give me I'll be satisfied because I know that if I get caught up in what I want, I know the enemy can distract me and he can detour me from where God is trying to bring me. So if I, if I put God in such a box that he can only operate under these parameters, I know that I'm giving the enemy foothold to control me and to direct me into a path that I don't need to go in. Because I know sometimes when I get caught up in preference, then what happens is I get stuck. Because sometimes it's almost like a kid. You ever seen a kid when you show him something shiny all of a sudden, nothing else matters, and they're just so focused on what that shiny thing is. And the devil is saying, gotcha, because that's the shiny thing that you wanted, and now you're so focused on it. It's like them gnats. Once they see light, they just stay right around it until they touch it, and all of a sudden, what? They die. And that's what the enemy, that's what the devil wants to do. The devil wants to distract you to the place to where you get so focused on it, to where you're no longer dependent on your source, which is God. You start depending on yourself and 
I don't know about you, but we are limited beings. We only got but so much strength. Listen, I can't even go a full day on my own. I need the Lord to replenish me hourly, especially with stuff I got to deal with. Help me at my job, Jesus. And that's what the enemy is. The enemy comes as the angel of light, which means that he is beautiful. He is beautiful. And here's another thing that he does. He comes as if he's on your side, as if he's with you, but he's really not. Right? I always say this. Be careful of your friendship circles. Be careful of people that are always hyping you up, that are always pushing you. Because if you always got people that's always hyping you up but never challenge you, you need to check them. You got you to make sure that you check your friendship circles. Like, I have people that when I want to get into my mood, you tripping. You wrong. Now, now, that was dead wrong, and you need to get it together. And sometimes we can get into a mode to where we think, catch the deception, the devil, the deception, is that because they agree with, with everything that we do, we think, okay, yeah, this, this is my friend. This is my friend. Not realizing that it could, it could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Literally pushing you further and further away from the will of God for your life. And we have to evaluate that. Because we see it too many times in the body of Christ of people that we want to be surrounded, that people that are always going to elevate us and lift us and always say yes to us, not realizing that God can send people that's going to challenge you. But those are the people we tend to want to fall out with because they're challenging you in areas that they see better in you. So you have to make sure that you check and make sure that you're not falling for a disguise. Because one thing about disguise is that what it, what it does is that it wants you to function and forget to solely depend on God. It wants you to depend independently on yourself. All right? Turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. You know how sometimes you say you're going to be quick, and then you look at the time, and the time is moving faster than you thought, and you're like, dang, I thought I was going to be quick. Guess not. Whatever. <laughs> uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. It says, Now the Spirit expressly, exp expressly says that in later time, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Okay. So, in other words, the devil has a whole teaching designed to deceive you and by disguising himself, by acting like he is for us. So here's, here's one thing. We can have ethnic identity without spiritual identity. To where we identify ourselves based on our backgrounds. We identify ourselves based on our organizations. We identify ourselves based on even our family names, right? And he says, and in 1 Timothy, it says that we will depart from faith by devoting ourselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, which means that there's going to be things that's going to make logical sense. There's going to be things that's going to sound sound. It's going to be almost like it's going to be like sound teachings, but the reality is it's not the word of God. And you have to be very careful. There's a scripture in the Bible that I struggle with constantly. I struggle with because it says the elect will be deceived. Hold on. Time out, time out, time out, time out. 
if they if they are the chosen ones, if they are like, how can they be deceived? You have to be careful that in your walk with Christ, that in your faith walk, that you don't allow yourself to really get disconnected from God. Because there's going to come a time and you're going to get hit with stuff to where you're going to really want to say, you know what, Lord, I need to go do my own thing. I need to separate myself from you. I need to walk this thing out on my own because I'm just feeling like so overwhelmed that maybe the world might give me something better. And the world can never give you anything better than what God can give you. I mean, is there anybody that can attest that knows that the world cannot give you nothing than what God can give you? So you have to be very careful that you don't allow the devil to deceive you and to cause you to start operating under your own identity rather than spiritual identity. But what the enemy does is he likes to flip the script on you, right? He could look like he's for you when he's against you, and you will only discover that he wasn't for you until after he's got you, right? Adam and Eve, right? What he told Eve? Man, come on, man. Break bread real quick, you know? Did God really tell you ain't finna, um, yeah. Did God really tell you that? Well, you know, because what'll happen is he'll make you question sometimes even your own faith. But on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand, right? You have to stay firm and solid on your foundation, on who your Savior is, on who you belong to, because the enemy will always try to get you to question your faith. Well, did he really say I only pay 10% of my tithe, or I can give 2% today and maybe 5% next week? Well, I'm giving something. Well, do I really have to be, you know, at the church all the time? I mean, a word does say forsake not the assembling of the gathering of the saints. But did they mean every week? I mean, I do need rest. I mean, did God really say I'm supposed to wait till I'm? No, let me not even go there. <laughs> let me not even go there. But that's what the enemy does. He likes to deceive you, and he likes to make you question your faith. Now, have you ever been in a position where you feel like you got tricked by somebody, and you didn't realize you was tricked until after they was gone? I mean, your credit score looking like who did it and where. Your bank account say, <laughs> your bank account say uh, ramen noodles, 16 cents from Walmart. Some of y'all are a little smarter than others. <laughs> but the reality is we've all been in a position to where we all thought something was one thing and it wasn't. And it wasn't until we got out of it that we realized. I mean... You was only going to eat one bag, and now one bag turned into 32. Mm. Can we, I mean, can we be honest? I mean, I said I was only going to do that thing one time, and all of a sudden, now I find myself in an addiction. We've all been in a position to where we thought something was for us, and then it wasn't until we realized, now nah, that thing was never for us. And now we're dealing with the consequences of that thing. And you know what that is called? It's called a detour. It's called a detour. Because what it did was now it detoured you off the path of what God wanted for you. That relationship was a detour. That addiction was a detour. Man, that, that purchase. My God. Woo! <laughs> I see that note, Lord. <laughs> was a detour. 
because we thought it was for us, not realizing until after it was all said and done that it was never really for us. And that's how the devil can trick us into going down certain paths that we don't need to go in. And now what has happened is now it's taking us longer to get back into the will of God. But one thing I am so thankful for that even when I get off course, I have a God that will come find me and will lead me back. I may have to pay a few tolls. I may have to change my tires. I may have to get an oil change. But one thing I know is that God will always redirect me back into his will because I am called to him. The devil has a, has a tendency to trick us, man. And sometimes it's not until it's too late that we see it. He seeks to, he seeks to dupe us. Why? Because his fate is sealed. His fate is already sealed. And his job is to come get you. You took his place. Did you know that? You know you took his place. You will be singing, giving God glory in heaven, praising his name. He was the angel of music, the angel of light. His job was praise. That was his job. The Bible says he was so beautiful that he had organs in his throat. He opened his mouth and nothing but beautiful sounds came out. And now you've taken his place. So guess what? He coming after you. He coming after you. That's why you have to be very careful and very mindful that you ask God to reveal things to you through a spiritual lens and not a carnal or a physical lens because you need to see what the enemy's tactics look like. You need to see what the devil's tricks are so that way you don't fall into those places. Because I don't know about you, but I have fallen into some traps that the devil has set. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about no light traps. I'm talking about a trap trap. I mean, to the place to where it has taken nothing but prayer, fasting, and a sabbatical to get me back on track to what God needs me to be. Seriously, there are times, especially as a believer, there's going to be times where the enemy is going to come after you so hard to where you're, you're going to say, God, how do I get myself out of this? How do I get myself out of this? And it's done through deception. He is, the Bible says, he is a lion seeking whom he may devour. So don't get caught slipping. Even in your weakest moment, go after God. Because God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's why the Bible says, those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Meaning that when you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you're under his shadow. That even though the roaring lion is seeking, he can't find you. Why? Because you're under his shadow. He's looking for you, but you're under his shadow, and he's covering and he's protecting you. So even in your weakest moments, you have to make sure that you still go after God. Because it is so easy to let your thoughts, to let your situations, to let your emotions, to let your circles to detour you away from the will of God. Understand that Satan has his own agenda. And he will circulate his perspective in order to get his results. And his result and his goal is the same. He has one goal and one agenda. And that's to get you to leave God. That is his goal. That's his goal. Every day you wake up, Satan is trying to find another way to get you to leave God. So when you got people conspiring on your job and you can't understand why you catching hell on your job and you like, man, Satan's just trying to push your buttons. He's trying to find a way. Same thing. You got crazy things going on in your family and you're trying to figure out what's going on in my family. And those, those emotions, those buttons are getting pushed. Satan's just trying to find a way for you to walk away from God. 
And I don't know about you, but I've, I've had those moments. Can we, can we be honest? I've had those moments where I wanted to walk away from God. I've had recently. I've had those moments where I wanted to walk away because I couldn't understand, right, that as a disciple, man, this chair is not sitting still, that as a disciple of Christ, someone who really wants to live this thing for God, who truly wants to serve God, really wants to go after God, why is it that, God, you're asking me to serve people that ain't even trying to live for you? I'm catching hell, but they living good. These are the conversations I have with God. No, Lord, for real, you got me serving these people? They doing what they want. I'm actually, I'm doing what you called me to do. I'm staying in the house. I ain't doing nothing. But they living high off the hog, and I'm over here struggling. Having to literally count pennies to make things work. Come on, look, nah, this can't be right. I was living better when I was out doing my own thing, living in the world. But these are the conversations that you will get, you will have in your head. And that's when you have to press after God even more. Because the enemy will trick you to make you think that you can do it better than God. And here's, and here's the thing, right, about being a disciple. A lot of times we think that the greatest thing is the destination, not realizing it was the journey. It was the journey. Because the fact that those thoughts had come, which means that there was something still inside of me that needed to die. And certain situations come in your life as a disciple. To be truly be a disciple, there's certain things inside of you that God needs to kill. He really needs to kill it up out of you. To where you get to a situation, you catch a hell on your job, you catch a hell in your finances, you catch a hell in your relationship, and you say, you know what? It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. If you don't do another thing, God, you've done enough. If you don't bless me another day, God, you've blessed me enough. And when you get to that level of faith, that's when you can truly say, you know what, I am, I am true to this discipleship thing. I am true to this discipleship thing. How many people truly want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I ain't say it's going to be easy. Because you, you got some adversity. You got some enemies coming after you. And sometimes one of your biggest enemies is not the devil. It's the inner me. The inner me. Enemy. That's sometimes your biggest, your biggest fight. Because every day you got to get up and you got to look, look in the mirror and look at yourself and see yourself for who you truly are. But a great thing is, greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. Because if you keep focusing on yourself, trust me, you're going to get disappointed. I look in the mirror every day with disappointment and say, Lord, I ain't six foot yet. And Lord said, it's too late. Be satisfied with how I made you and be thankful. I'm just being honest. Don't, don't play. There's some stuff that you wish God gave you that he ain't give you. But he's saying be satisfied with the way that I created you and the way that I made you, right? All right. Didn't I say I was going to have you in and out? Now, I want to, and I want to open this up. Only The reason why I'm opening this up for questions is only because I want you guys to have an understanding when it comes to being a disciple, when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, the reality is, a lot of people think that, well, I ain't no preacher or I ain't no praise and worship leader. Regardless of wherever you at, you are a disciple. You are a walking billboard for the body of Christ. You hear me? You are a walking billboard. The minute you accepted Christ into your life and you say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, 
at that moment, you are branded as a believer and you are branded as a billboard for Christ. The Bible says that we are all many different parts, but part of one body, which means we're not going to function the same. Some people are not teachers. Some people are not singers, but some people are givers. Some people are intercessors. Like you could probably pray heaven down. You know, some people are just natural counselors. There are sometimes there's some of y'all that you open your mouth and it's just something soothing and comforting that when people listen to you, God is using you as a way to give them peace. But whatever you do, make sure that you do it and make sure that it is pleasing to God. But we are all disciples, all disciples. We are all followers. Once you are a believer, you are a follower. All right. Any questions for me? Good. All right. Good, good. All right. Did you guys get something on tonight? All right. So told you I was going to have you out in and out, man. So we talked about the enemies of discipleship are the world, the flesh, and lastly, the what? So you need to keep your eyes open. And um, do this. Uh, make sure that you're getting into a habit of really, really seeking God daily. Um, I taught this uh, a few months ago, and I talked about how your first experience in the morning needs to be with God. Meaning, before you grab your cell phone, before your feet hit the ground, make sure you talk to God. Make it a daily routine. And, and let's just, if I take it out the spiritual and just put it in the natural for a second there, it says it takes about 19 to 21 times, I forgot what the exact number is, 19 to 21 times for you to create a habit out of something, right? Challenge yourself for 19 or 21 days straight when you wake up in the morning, open the Bible and read a scripture. And if you're one of those people that you need to be reminded, do um, the Bible app has a thing where it gives you a daily reminder to read a scripture where you can read the Bible. Same thing with praying, same thing with listening to worship music. And also, I talked about what are you drinking from, and, and, I'm, and I didn't push that point home, but I also want to be very clear. Be careful of what you're drinking on. Riyadh, like me, I can't listen to R&B music all day and every day. I just can't. It'll put me in a place mentally that I don't need to be in. So be careful what you're, what you're digesting. Be very careful of what you're dige digesting because you don't want to give the enemy a foothold to operate. You can't listen to trap music all day, every day. It don't work that way. It don't. Because some people say, man, I just, you know, I just like the beat. No, it's not just the beat. You're depositing some stuff into you. You are, you're, you're depositing. Don't be foolish. You're, you're depositing stuff into you when you, you know, listen to some gospel. If you don't know gospel, do some research. The Bible says my people perish because of lack of what? But the problem is people ain't trying to go seek knowledge. Wisdom, um, Solomon was known as one of the wisest people that lived. Why? Because he prayed, God, give me wisdom. He didn't ask God for money. He said, God, give me wisdom. And God said, because you asked this, I'm going to give you even more than that. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for guidance. All right? All right, guys? You guys all right? Still with me? God is good? And all the time? Amen. All right. All right. Um, right where you're at, just, uh, just stand to your feet. Let's go ahead and uh, let me pray and dismiss y'all. Right where you're at, I just need you to create a little altar space. 
right where you're at. Lift up your hands and just begin to open up your mouths and just ask God to, to help you to become a better disciple. Being in tune, being aware of what's going on around you and opening your eyes to see things for what they really are. Father, we thank you, we glorify you for what we learned on tonight, oh God, that as disciples, God, God, we really need to pay attention to what the world is pushing out there, to what our flesh is doing, and most importantly, we need to make sure that we pay attention to what the devil is trying to do. God, we want you to be pleased with our lives, God. God, we don't want to just say that we're believers, but God, we want our lives to exhibit it, oh God. God, we want that when you look at us, God, that you're pleased with what you see. God, we know you're not asking us to be perfect, but God, you're asking us, oh God, to have the mind that is in Christ. So God, I pray, God, that you cover us and that you keep us even throughout this week, God, that we'll get into a daily habit of seeking you, oh God, because God, we're not strong enough to do this by ourselves. We're not strong enough, oh God, to walk this walk by ourselves, but God, we need your strength, God. We need your peace, God. We need your joy, God. We need your guidance, oh God. And most importantly, we need your word, oh God. God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, oh God. Your word is what gives us direction, oh God. And we need your word, oh God, to direct us on where we need to go, oh God. God, I pray for every single person that is here on tonight, oh God. I pray, God, as they're growing in their faith, oh God, I pray for another level, oh God. And God, if you have to take us through a season of breaking, oh God, God, I pray that you give us the strength and the endurance, oh God, to last through the end, oh God. Because, God, we know that he that begun a good work shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, O oh God. So whatever work you're doing on the inside of us, O oh God, let us not grow weary, O oh God. Let us not grow weary, O oh God. But, God, strengthen us for the journey, O oh God. Strengthen us for the journey, O oh God. Strengthen us for the journey, O oh God. And, God, we tell you thank you. 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 We tell you thank you, O oh God.